Have you ever dreamed of owning your own home, but thought there was just no way to make it happen? Well, you may qualify for home ownership through Habitat for Humanity of Huron Valley. Come to the orientation meeting. There's one every month. You can find out all the things you need to know about becoming a homeowner. Call the Habitat office at 734-677-1558 extension 104 or visit our website www.h4h.org see what habitat for humanity can do for you all right let's talk about those songs we had wait for the moment by a local band we all know and love Wolfpack. the album my first car before that was Whispering Grass by the Ink Spots album, the anthology, disc one. And then just just a little just a little bit like around the beginning, that weird kind of glitchy stuff you heard was Metal Rain by Blank Banshee. Album Blank Banshee One. Well, this is the end of my show. Uh, I am Gaze Into Death, and this has been quite an adventure. Uh, I will be sure to come back on Monday. 5 to 6.30 for another great episode of What I'm Doing. Let's go ahead and get into gray matter, and you all have a fantastic, wonderful day. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Uh, Jim is uh, attending a concert tonight down in the Detroit area, so we'll have him here next week. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> Fourth of July, fall, falling in the middle of the week always throws off your perspective about things. Uh, no problems with the Fourth of July. Everybody should have fun. Personally, I've never been a big fan of the uh, the fireworks, but I think that's I like looking at them. I think it's the loud noises that I can live without. But anyway, a fascinating week. Uh, we have Brexit collapsing we've got 
Prexit. Prexit is the exit of Scott Pruitt from the EPA. I think he'll have to go down in history as, uh, well, we already know he's the shortest-lived administrator of the EPA and all of the federal investigations and whatnot. Some of them are just outright amusing. Used Trump mattresses, $43, $1,000 phone Soundproof phone booths put in his office. A lot of strange stuff. And I think the demise of Scott Pruitt is a lesson in, about hubris. Um, Pruitt uh, obviously had many ethical challenges. And I think that he decided at some point that he was going to use his uh, tenure at the EPA to become a presidential candidate in 2024. He wanted to succeed Donald Trump. So I think that, for instance, uh, one of his top aides resigned. We learned about all of some of the more gory details the day after he, quote, resigned. There's some evidence that he might have been pushed. We don't know uh, the f- actual facts. Uh, I don't expect the policies... Uh, at the EPA to change that much. I'd also like to point out that many of Scott Pruitt's uh, initiatives were held up by the courts. And the demise of Scott Pruitt reminds us of why the courts are very important. And obviously tonight, uh, the bachelor, the bachelorette game that Donald Trump has been playing all weekend is going to come to an end. Uh, as he's scheduled a prime time show to introduce his Supreme Court nominee. Uh, don't know who it'll be. Perhaps it's already leaked out. I don't know. I was at the library for a couple hours this afternoon. <clears throat> My uh, gut tells me that it'll be either Hardiman or uh, Kavanaugh. But we'll see. Uh, and just a brief comment about Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh on paper sounds like he might be the actually the most qualified. Uh, but what's fascinating about him was he, uh, as a younger attorney, back in the late 90s, served on the staff uh, with Ken Starr and was involved in the Clinton investigation. Subsequent to that time, he's written some intellectual um, opinions about... Uh, <clears throat> The presidency related to independent counsel investigations and that sort of thing. And it does strike me, based on what we know, uh, he is the most likely to side with Donald Trump in any uh, constitutional dispute involving the continuation of the uh, special counsel that's uh, obviously continuing. Uh, Mueller remains a very... Uh, circumspect about what he's talking about and saying the leaks don't seem to be happening very much, unlike the Ken Starr investigation that was uh, literally polluted with leaks. There were leaks almost every day. And, of course, the goal of the leaks, as we know, it's part of American history. It's part of the way Washington works. The purpose of leaks is sometimes to influence policy. Sometimes it's to embarrass uh, colleagues, 
And sometimes it's very important. Uh, like if uh, I know that uh, Seymour Hersh, for instance, just wrote a memoir uh, about his career as a uh, one of the premier journalists of our lifetime. And he talked a lot about uh, his contacts high up in the government that would give him information about uh, things that were going on uh, whereby a civil servant um, was appalled at something that was actually happening. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, that last uh, in today's New York Times, there's a very bizarre article about the Trump administration objecting at a World Health uh, Conference to um, language involving breastfeeding and baby formula, and that Trump basically was attempting, the Trump administration was attempting to water down some language uh, because it basically wanted to protect uh, corporate interests. Uh, nothing surprising about that, but it's odd that something that universally accepted it globally as something beneficial to uh, human civilization would uh, be uh, thrown under the bus of the unscientific traditions uh, that Scott Pruitt and Donald Trump have promoted so much. It's well known, by the way, that... Uh, uh, the chief of staff, uh, John Kelly, had been trying to get rid of Scott Pruitt for quite some time because of these continuing um, <clears throat> congressional and apparently uh, in-house investigations into his conduct. And they were there were numerous ethical problems uh, involving Scott Pruitt. And I don't think that he at any point realized that he was head of the EPA, but instead believed that he was the Oklahoma Protection Agency. And all he was interested in doing, it seems, was protecting the interests of the state of Oklahoma. Another example of Scott Pruitt's problems, just to get back to him briefly before we throw him in the dustbin of history, because to be quite frank, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to Scott Pruitt. Maybe there were some Actual criminal violations, maybe this is all sort of Washington trivia. Who knows? But I do think that it's uh, significant that one of Scott Pruitt's great, um, <clears throat> um, shall we say, offenses that, that has emerged is that he uh, noticeably tried to change the record about who he was meeting with. He had instructed an aide uh, a year ago who eventually resigned, a scheduler who was paid— quite a lot of money to change the minutes, so to speak, of where Scott Pruitt was and what he was doing. He was generally speaking to lobbyists or uh, meeting with rich uh, Americans somewhere in the United States in this kind of political contact business that he seems to have been more involved in. His actual effectiveness, by the way, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. So, for instance... One of his uh, <clears throat> uh, proposals was that the EPA, and I'm quoting here from uh, Brad Plumer, the EPA has been working with the Transportation Department to loosen Obama-era rules on greenhouse gas emissions from trucks and cars, light trucks. Their proposal, which is under review uh, by the White House, 
would seek to halt any rise in fuel economy standards after 2021 and rescind California's authority to set its own tougher standards for automobiles. California has vowed to challenge this move in court, and some automakers have expressed unease at a legal fight that could drag on for years and potentially fraction the nation's vehicle market. So this is an example of Scott Pruitt going out on a limb, ignoring uh, science and even making recommendations that contradict uh, what one of our major industries is all about. The auto industry doesn't want to make two sets of of cars, (laughs) one for California and one for the rest of the nation. Uh, They want to make one set of cars. (laughs) And tailpipe emission, by the way, was, was an example of something that Scott Pruitt wanted to loosen. This, of course, is related to fuel efficiency. And California, uh, to deal with their smog problem for years, has, um, um, you know, uh, had higher standards. And, in fact, they require uh, a higher octane gas, so to speak, a special blend that can only be burned in California uh, to reduce uh, particulate pollution that emanates from automobiles. As we noted last week, uh, Judge Kennedy, who is retiring, had voted uh, in one of his uh, <clears throat> cases of, of, of siding with the liberals in a 2007 Massachusetts versus EPA case. He voted with the four liberals, who at that time were Stevens, Ginsburg, Souter, and Breyer, Uh, In other words, Barack Obama's uh, nominees were not on the court yet. And Stevens, who was appointed by Gerald Ford, and David Souter, who, by the way, was the first, um, the the, the appointment um, of George W. Bush, uh, his first appoint, uh, the the father, H.W. Bush. Souter had been recommended by... Um, Senator Warren Rudman, and H.W. Bush kind of did this as a favor. Well, Souter, as it turned out, was not as conservative as the conservatives had hoped. So Clarence Thomas was put on the court later, and he replaced Thurgood Marshall. And in fact, that's when the court really made a change. And as I suggested last week, I think that the center of gravity on these 5-4 decisions has probably moved from uh, Judge Kennedy to Judge Roberts. And I'm not too sure that's going to be the end of the world. Uh, Obviously, I have strong opinions about Roe versus Wade. I'd like to point out that it was... uh, struck down, the state law of Texas was struck down uh, on a general idea of privacy, but specific amendments were uh, were specific amendments were were cited uh, in the in the uh, opinion by Harry Blackman. And one of the more important ones, by the way, was the Fourteenth Amendment, equal protection. So it strikes me that uh, I'm not too sure that Judge Roberts is going to want to get into a theological um, 
shall we say, division of our nation uh, based on uh, discriminatory ideas that have always been present here in our country regarding the right to an abortion. Um, the uh, <clears throat> conservative far right has uh, picked and poked at the uh, Roe versus Wade uh, ruling for years so that it's effectively not uh, available in many, many parts of our country. It does seem to me that there is an undue burden placed on particularly poor women in southern states. And this has had deleterious uh, effects on women's health. <clears throat> By the way, about 45% of women in the United States of America uh, get uh, health care and reproductive services from Planned Parenthood. You'll always hear about the the uh, desire to cut back on Planned Parenthood. Well, these abortion restrictions in Texas, by the way, have had, had an enormous impact on maternal death. Uh, there have been amazing increases uh, in maternal death in the state of Texas, uh, particularly in the African-American community, that really are quite unacceptable. Uh, some of the uh, increases in maternal death are approaching third world countries. And this is not a good thing for our society. Abortion should be safe. It should be legal and it should be rare. And I thought that uh, John Kerry, uh, when, who was a Catholic, by the way, uh, when he ran for president in 2004, put it best. He said that abortion was between a woman, her doctor, her family, and her God. And the government has no role uh, in something uh, this important as far as our existence on this planet goes. Uh, one of the other cases, by the way, since we're sort of jumping around here talking about uh, the Supreme Court and whatnot, uh, we didn't talk about this much last week, was the travel ban. Uh, the travel ban was uh, loosely upheld. Trump made some ridiculous statements that it was a complete vindication and this, that, and the other. But I would suggest that it, what it really was was uh, a, yet another glaring example of Donald Trump's total incompetence. Um, as the song goes, M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N spells mulligan. Trump's a golfer. A mulligan is a do-over. Trump had to rewrite the travel ban twice. Um, he complained after the first uh, <clears throat> rewriting of the travel ban, claiming that um, <clears throat> it had been watered down and it wasn't up to snuff, as he put it. It's interesting that Chad at one point was put on the travel ban list, and I kind of looked up in the uh, infamous World Almanac about Chad. Chad, of course, is kind of in the middle of uh, the African continent. Uh, ha about half of it's in the Sahara Desert. And it's the size, get this, Washington State, Oregon, California, Idaho, and Nevada. That's how big Chad is. It's huge. And, of course, it's got a lot of desert. And it's only got about... 11 million people in this whole massive area that I've just described uh, because those five states combined 
or a rather significant chunk of the continental United States. Uh, Chad is about the hardest country on the planet to actually live in and get to the United States. I don't even know that they have a major international airport of any sort. So much of the travel ban is sort of a mirage. Uh, there are major wars going on in several of the countries on the travel ban list. Yemen, um, Syria, uh, Somalia, Libya. Uh, the United States, by the way, has, has troops in three of those four countries. And what we're doing in Libya is still a little unclear under the Trump administration. But we do know, for instance, that we are building uh, as one Air Force uh, corporal or major, I can't remember his rank, put it, the biggest new modern American Air Force base in uh, the world is being built in Niger. Get a, a load of that. This is what's actually going on under the Trump administration. And, of course, this week Trump is going to <clears throat> Europe to have a a summit with the NATO allies, and one of his main agenda items is complaining about the um, disparity between what the United States spends on defense and what Europe European members of NATO spend on defense. And I wonder if it occurred to Trump that the reason America spends so much on defense is that we have troops and air bases and naval bases scattered all over the globe. Uh, NATO does not have an Air Force base on Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. NATO does not have a an Air Force base or a military base in Qatar. Um, so the United States needs to re-examine its military policies. This has not happened under Donald Trump. And when I read that the United States is planning on spending $1.2 trillion to upgrade its nuclear arsenal, I find that the negotiations with Kim Jong-un to be sort of a farce. Over the weekend, of course, Mike Pompeo, seems to be more interested in amending and enhancing a relationship with North Korea that seems to be going nowhere. Um, in fact, you wonder if Melania's jacket that she wore a couple of weeks was actually uh, a jacket that Kim Jong-un should have been wearing. Uh, <clears throat> the North Korean government rebuffed Pompeo, and they seem to have a completely different idea about uh, what uh, a nuclear-free Korean peninsula is all about. Well, we mentioned North Korea because they are on the travel ban list. Trump put North Korea on the travel ban list to sort of inoculate himself from the uh, accusation that this was a, quote, Muslim ban. Uh, he, you know, obviously North Korea uh, is, is a country that doesn't allow travel, so... They have a travel ban. <laughs> they have a travel ban not only against the United States, but virtually every every uh, country on, on the planet. The only country that permits uh, North Koreans, I think, to come into their country uh, is China. So the, the travel ban with North Korea on the list is a bit of a farce. And needless to say, uh, I find it bizarre— 
that the Supreme Court uh, used the Korematsu uh, ruling, which it claims was erroneously uh, decided back in 1944. I think that was the correct year. Korematsu is the famous uh, Japanese internment camp case that was decided by the Supreme Court six to three. Uh, George Takei, uh, a well-known actor uh, who played Zulu on Star Trek, uh, was a young boy when he was interned in these detention centers. And as somebody that's a student of Franklin Roosevelt, let me say that these uh, ideas of creating detention centers were uh, discussed uh, in, in very close quarters in the late 1930s. Um, <clears throat> Roosevelt saw that uh, the United States would eventually probably be dragged into a European war, but he didn't know that it would happen for sure. So some of the um, <clears throat> detention ideas were discussed with various attorney generals and J. Edgar Hoover at um, different points in the late 30s. The Japanese detention uh, policy was certainly a bad one, uh, in my opinion. However, the uh, Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three that under the emergency powers of war— um the president and it doesn't it doesn't have to do with a specific president the president in general has these powers this is what the court decided in the travel ban case but of course using the logic of korematsu is strange i'll quote here from hiroshi matomura a uh, ucla law professor who has written extensively about immigration. This uh, by an article by uh, Charlie Savage uh, the day after the travel uh, ban was decided by the Supreme Court. Quote, overruling Korematsu the way the court did in this case reduces the overruling to symbolism that is so bare that it is deeply troubling given the parts of the reasoning behind Korematsu that live on in today's decision. A willingness to paint with a broad brush by nationality, race, or religion, and by claiming national security grounds. Well, national security grounds, of course, have been claimed by Donald Trump for all sorts of things recently, including the tariff the wars that, that he has decided to start. And let's remember, these are not trade wars. These are tariff wars at the moment. They may turn into trade wars, but I regard trade wars more as embargoes and blockades. And let's hope it doesn't get to that. But it's bizarre that the United States uh, government under Trump has decided that it's going to use this rubric of national security to justify uh, tariffs uh, being imposed on our allies and, of course, they've been offended by this. They've protested. And yet the tariff wars have started and undoubtedly will escalate. Well, Mr. Trump doesn't know anything about manufacturing, uh, as his uh, initial tariffs on steel proved. He didn't realize that Brazil, for instance, bought coal from the United States to make steel. So... 
he had to kind of modify it, make a little change here, make a little change there. And yet the aluminum tariff uh, stuff continued. Well, the travel ban case, as I say, from an effective standpoint, is kind of minor. Uh, but the, what the court decided was that the president has this right. It didn't go into the wisdom of it. it and, and Roberts went out of his way to even quote um, uh, the fact that we're not deciding the wisdom of this policy. But by throwing North Korea into the mix, uh, Trump was allowed to implausibly argue in court that this was not a Muslim ban. As for the actual effect, quite frankly, the only people that are going to be affected by it are Iranians. Syrians are fleeing for their lives already. Uh, that civil war seems to be winding down. But the war in Yemen is escalating. And, of course, it was interesting over the weekend. The Trump administration was forced to allow Yemenese refugees from several years ago to remain in the country. Why? Because if they had forced these Yemen refugees to go back to Yemen, uh, where they would have faced uh, probable death and war and famine that are all going on, the spotlight would have been pointed out that the United States is heavily involved in the Yemen war. Uh, in fact, Donald Trump's first foray into military action uh, about two weeks into his presidency was a Navy SEAL raid in Yemen uh, that went awry because uh, it turned out the uh, Yemeni's village that Trump decided to attack uh, had people in it that were better armed than our SEALs. That's Donald Trump. He doesn't know what he's doing. And the travel ban, by the way, was issued on maybe the most significant day of Donald Trump's presidency, the 27th of January, 2017. He had been in office a week 